Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as host Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Welcome to the show, everyone. This is Mike Abadir alongside my co-host, Gina Bacola, and we've got a fantastic guest, a repeat guest for us multiple times, Craig Milkowski, who is the chief speed figure maker for Timeform US. It's been a huge week in the sports world. We've had a huge announcement regarding sports wagering. We'll talk about that a little bit, and it's going to be capped off this week with the Preakness on Saturday. So a lot to talk about, a lot to look forward to. Gino, where are you citing in terms of the Preakness, the NBA playoffs, the wagering decision? Where do you come out on all this? Where do you want to start? Uh, yeah, let, um, quick hit, uh, just quick hitters. The, the NBA final series is just a little different. And then what we thought is that we've had two blowouts. I think everybody was expecting this to be like a big heavyweight fight where we were going to have some really fun kind of uh, back-and-forth games all the way. doesn't mean we, we still can't have a couple really good ones, but it seems like both times the, the big boys had their punch, uh, the other big boy backed up. So we've seen in the West, which we really felt like was the, the, the actual maybe NBA Finals, it seems like um, we might be able to get into a six- or seven-game series there. And the other side, LeBron's going to have to dig down deep a little bit right now because uh, – this team obviously isn't as deep as any of the other teams that he's had, and I don't know how, how that tank, if that tank is still quite full enough. So we'll, we're still just, just getting into the NBA uh, final but, series. But based so on that, Gino, you basically are saying that the East has no chance then. If the finals so. are indeed the Warriors and yeah. the Rockets. And the, and so the Rockets. it doesn't matter who gets out of there, Celtics or, or, or the Cavs. Either way, they're going to lose. I feel like the Celtics would put up a little bit more of a fight just – just because of how they're coached and defensively, um, and they have they have more interchangeable pieces. Um, Cleveland, it's just if if it's not LeBron's night, they're in trouble. You know, they're, they're in big trouble. I've just been so impressed with uh, with Al Horford and Tatum and some of the Celtic pieces, but I, they're not. Yeah, I mean, they're missing their two best players, right? Yeah, they're missing their two best players, but they're just not Curry, Durant. Clay. I mean, when those guys are all on, or even when when you have a game like last night when Harden plays well, and then you get the pieces from Houston that all seem to fire. I just think those two squads are a little too deep for uh, for the teams coming out of the East. And um, and you know, we'll talk we'll talk a little bit more about this. I'm sure next week as we get a little deeper into it. Um, uh, actually, it's okay right now because the Dodgers are doing well, but basically nothing's happened in the last week as far as I'm concerned in baseball except the Dodgers losing more, so not a lot of talk talk about on that end for, for me as, as far as we're concerned. So You got Justin Turner back, and he's actually swinging a pretty decent bat so far. You guys are up, what, I, 7-0 so far this morning? I think he has five RBIs today, so obviously, wow. uh, okay. yeah, great, great to have him back. and Much needed. Um, but, yeah, I think this is definitely going to be a uh, – a Preakness show, and we have Craig waiting on the line, so we'll get to pick his brain. This is not the the biggest Preakness field, just a field of eight lining up, only a couple horses coming back from the Derby. And then uh, kind of curious to what Craig thinks about the the new Supreme Court ruling. Uh, sports wagering now will be legal. It'll be kind of on a state-to-state basis. We'll pick Craig's brain a little bit on, 
you know, you and I had a long discussion on this the other day. How is this going to change? I think this is going to be a, a big positive in general for all the states that legalize it. There's going to be a lot of money to tax. But what is this going to do for horse racing? That's kind of a, a question that you and I have been going back and forth on. Is this going to be a positive? Is it going to be a negative? Is it going to be maybe not even really move the needle one way or the other that much? Honestly, we, we don't really know. So that, it's kind of a fun discussion to have, and I'm, I'm curious kind of where Craig stands on that. So uh, let's, let's bring, let's in bring him in and start talking a little preak. Yeah. Hey, guys. Greg, how are you doing today? How are you, buddy? I'm doing well. Doing well here. Glad to have Good you back still. again, Craig. Uh, we're coming up on the second Jewel of Racing's Triple Crown, the Preakness. And, you know, we were talking a little bit off air. What we've seen in the last probably 10 to 15 years is the Derby and Oaks weekend, they're more than just Derby and Oaks. We get the really great undercard races all Friday and all Saturday, big prep races. We get those again this Preakness weekend, but they're generally not quite the quality because, you know, think about it. If horses run, a lot of the big-name horses run just two weeks ago, they don't need to wheel back two weeks on this Preakness weekend. Many of them, they kind of wait for the Belmont, and they'll wait the five weeks in between. And that happens with horses in the undercard and horses now in the Triple Crown races because if you don't win the Derby, you don't really need to worry about pushing your horse back in two weeks in this case, we only get about three or four horses that come out of the Derby. So I guess we can really just start from the inside out, Craig, because we don't have too big of a field. We can do quick hitters on everyone. So starting from the rail and, and working our way out with, with, the, uh, with the inside, any, any shot at all in here for, um, for this one to get the job done? I mean, where do you stand on, on some of these non-justify good magic horses as we move through? Yeah, to be honest, just a couple things before we dive into the Preakness. I'm actually from Baltimore, grew up there. That's why I cut awesome. my teeth. So spent many an afternoon at uh, Pimlico Racetrack. Uh, someone I shouldn't have been there probably. I, I should have been in college. But <laughs> so such is the choices we make when we're young and dumb, right? So I spent many a day there. Right? Yep. And you're absolutely right about the the undercard as far as uh I think quality of horses go, but I think as a better, there's some really good races on the undercard. Uh, you tend to not get so many stars, so the races are a little more evenly matched. So, yeah, maybe as if you're an Eclipse voter, you don't have to pay a whole lot of attention to races outside the Preakness this weekend. But as a better, I really look forward to the card. Uh, there's some good, deep, strong fields, and, you know, I think there'll be some value. So, that said, uh, let's go on to the Preakness, and I guess Actually, one, one more. Uh, one. One more quick yeah, point before we get to Quip, uh, Craig. There looks like it's going to be a sloppy track. Looks like there's going to be rain throughout the weekend there. Do you have any insight as to whether or not there are any kind of biases to look out for? Uh, you know, how does the track handle, you know, historically speaking, when there's rain? Do you have any thoughts about that? I actually have a friend in Maryland who used to be a trainer, quite prominent trainer there. He's retired a while ago, but... You know, he kind of gave me some information on that. He said you kind of watch, got to watch when they work on the track and when they seal it. And it's just something you kind of got to watch visually because the rail does tend to get dead there after a while, especially yeah. with prolonged periods of rain like they've been having. But I would assume with the Preakness being on Saturday, uh, the track's going to get the, the utmost attention. And I think we're just going to have to watch the races and see how they play out and 
and to also be attuned to any quick changes because I'm sure the superintendent's going to be watching, and if any trends show up, you know, where the rail looks bad or the rail looks good, I'm sure he'll try to work on those. Gotcha. That makes sense. Okay. Well, then uh, let's start with the rail. Let's talk about Quip. Uh, Quip's the worst. I know Gino will remember we did a, uh, a show with Jason Beam on his podcast going over the Derby. And one of the races I was really down on and didn't uh, care for at all was the Arkansas Derby. Uh, Quip was a well-beaten second in that to Magna Moon, who was a, a horse I just didn't like at all. And I don't really see a lot to like about Quip in here. Uh, he, it was a slow pace in the Arkansas Derby. He just kind of sat there right off Magna Moon in the beginning. Uh, he had nothing left uh, turning for home. Now, nobody else was able to catch him, uh, but he, Magna Moon was running away from him despite running sideways through the stretch. And he's just not one I have a lot of faith on in this spot. I guess the only real upside with him is that he did bypass the Derby, so he's probably a little fresher than, than the top two on the morning line. But otherwise, he's never run particularly fast on the speed figures that I make. Uh, he's, he has matching 111s in his last two, and neither one of those gets him in shouting distance here. Yeah, kind of, Craig, I feel, kind of feel like he's, uh, he's one of those trip horses that one of the benefits of him is that he has a nice style where he can just kind of put himself in the race, and, and a lot of times he can kind of just fall into a good spot. And I don't really know if that is going to be a beneficial trip in here because there are a couple other horses who have similar styles to him, and they're probably just a little faster early. So he might be a little bit farther back. He might not get that nice, secure tracking spot where he's been best to me he might be a, a, a decent miler this might be a little farther than he wants to he could be a little bit better when he cuts back and has a little bottom so i'm with you i just he's not one of the horses that'll likely sneak into my exotics when we move next door to, to lone sailor um was one that i completely dismissed in the derby he did split the field and and he was better than i i thought i'd imagine him him being but i think when we discussed the Arkansas Derby, we also discussed the Louisiana Derby as a race that we weren't too high on, and I'm, I'm still a little, a little weary on Lone Sailor. Yeah, I'm in the same boat there. I, I was with you on the Louisiana Derby. That was the other prep that just didn't do much for me. And, uh, you know, it looks good if you look at it. He ran an okay figure in the Derby. He got a 115 for me. Like I said, he ran eighth out of 20, which sounds okay. But if this were just a regular, you know, listed stakes race on a Saturday and we saw a horse uh, sitting far off uh, an insanely fast pace that just plotted up the pass of horses that were tiring, we wouldn't be very impressed. So it's sure. kind of easy to get sucked into that, oh, he ran better than we thought in the Derby, but I wasn't really all that impressed. Uh, he was still beat over nine lengths. He finished eighth. Uh, just nothing to get excited about for me with him. Yeah, agreed. And, you know, I could see him maybe taking a little bit of money, you know, with people that are looking for a price, you know, you got Ortiz on board, Irad, that is. Um, and the lone win for Lone Sailor came on a sloppy track back in uh, the Saratoga meet last summer. Other than that, though, I tend to kind of see it the way you guys both see it and that uh, doesn't have much of a shot. Let's move yeah. on to the third horse, Sporting Chance. One of two uh, Dwayne Lucas entries. Yeah, Sporting Chance, he, he's a bit of a crazy horse. Uh, luckily, uh, who's the horse? Free Drop Willie's not in here. He seems to always yeah. run into him. <laughs> when, and by run into him, I mean literally when they're racing each other. He, he's actually been disqualified twice for interfering with that horse. Um, but he's another one. I, just, I saw where Wayne Lucas said he's a one-dimensional horse, and, and they're just going to let him run out of the gate. 
And looking at his PPs, I just don't know what that dimension is. I mean, he doesn't really show speed. He doesn't really pass anyone. Um, he hasn't run better than third in any of his races this year. He just kind of plods around the track, doesn't really do much. Uh, he, he ran an okay third in the bluegrass, I guess. Um, you know, wasn't great, wasn't bad. He, he's among, I guess, with a host of others who wouldn't shock me if he's third or fourth in here, but I can't see anything better than that. Yeah, to me, I think, uh, other than than Good Magic defeating Justify, if those two horses come with their A game, I really can't see anyone else in here. But the only horse I think that intrigues me a little bit is a horse that I picked in the beginning of the year in a fantasy league, and that's Diamond King. Um, so I've, I've watched Diamond King for a while, and his his figures are low, and I don't know. I, I don't think he's good enough to win, and I don't think if the other horses, Good Magic or Justify, show up with their A games, he's good enough to win. But he's a little intriguing to me just in that he's done a lot less wrong than some of these horses. You see the, the couple poor efforts. One of them, he lost Eclipse Heels and he lost the jock, so that's an easy excuse. And then his other poor performance, he was down on the inside in the swale, and he lost to Strike Power, who's going to be coming back in the Woody Stevens. And Strike Power sprinting is actually a pretty good horse. That's, that's his game. So I don't think Diamond King is good enough, but I do like the fact that he was able to stretch out from seven furlongs to a mile and an eighth uh, with, with a sickness in there. He missed a race because of a, a mild issue. Again, I don't think he's top-tier level. I am a little bummed that Pennington isn't riding him, though. I think he's done so well for him. I am a little bummed to see Cos, uh, Javier jump aboard. But uh, this is getting just the most intriguing on a wild-card horse to me in the field, Craig. Yeah, I think he's the one horse in here that could maybe challenge Justify for the lead early. Uh, I, I don't really think he can do much more than that. He stretched out for the first time. Uh, well, he actually tried it once, as you said, but he dumped the jockey uh, early kind of dropped the jockey, but the only time he's finished the two-turn race was last time at Laurel, and we had that race coded as, as a bit speed favoring, so that may have helped carry him that day. Uh, I don't give him much chance at all because I, he's going to need to be near the front, which means he's going to be right either in front of or just behind Justify or trying to catch him, and I don't, I don't think that's a very advantageous position. Uh, neat little horse. You always get these local horses. I don't know if he's actually a Maryland horse. I think he's based at Parks. But, uh, you know, he's from the East Coast there. He ran at Laurel last time. So these kind of horses, they always seem, I think he got a free spot in the gate by winning he's a Tessio last time. So that, that's probably why he's there. But he won't be on any of my tickets. I just think he's in a bad spot having to chase the best horse in the race. What you mentioned with the style of the race is I think what makes this a little bit difficult is because, you know, you look at some of the more – like lightly raced horses that you might that have some upside that generally the betters might lean to. And I don't know if the race is going to shape up that well for them. You know, the horses like Quip and Diamond King who are, or even, even a horse like Tenfold who we'll talk about next, he can sit kind of close, but if you're going to be close to justify, I don't know if that's going to be good or bad for you. If you're going to have to run with that guy early, um, I, I guess the horse who might end up tripping out because the one thing about him I wasn't high on him in the Derby, and I, he ran a lot better than I thought he would. Um, I've never really been high on him, but he always shows up. He always runs a good effort. I know Mike really liked him in the Derby. I think he was Mike's top selection. That's good magic. And do you, do you see any way good magic can turn the tables on Justify uh, two weeks later? Well, good magic, the horse, I, I don't know how much you remember. I, I didn't remember if you liked him or not, to be honest. He was a horse I was pretty convinced was going to run about as good as he could in the Derby. I just 
didn't, wasn't sure if that was going to be good enough. Well, it turns out it was kind of in between. It wasn't good enough to beat Justified, but it was good enough to beat everybody else. Um, you know, he had a little better trip than Justify. I think he saved a little more ground maybe. I'd have to watch the replay. But off the top of my head, I seem to remember him tucking in behind horses. And then, um, you know, he sat a little bit off that fast pace, but he had every chance to get by him in the stretch, and he couldn't make up any ground. I think he actually lost a little bit through the stretch. Uh, the, the one upside you could have with good magic is that Chad Brown does think enough to, to run him back in two weeks. Uh, we haven't seen a lot of that from him. Now, part of that goes, I don't think that uh, Chad Brown thinks he's a Belmont Stakes horse. So basically, after the Preakness, if you weren't going to run him in the Belmont, you're probably going to give him some time off anyway, maybe for the, the Haskell or the Jim Dandy next. But he's running them back here, so I think the horses fit. And, and the one thing that you could have, uh, the one positive you could have for him is that, you know, it's possible justifies not 100%. Uh, you know, we all saw where he had some, some heel issues or a heel bruise, I guess it was. And, uh, you know, any, any little thing like that could, could help turn the tables. Now, I'm not saying I would bet that way, but it wouldn't shock me if Justify wasn't 100% and, and that good magic was able to win. I mean, he's obviously the second most likely winner in the field. Do you think there's going to be any change of tactics when it comes to uh, Chad Brown's instructions to Ortiz? I don't think the horse has that kind of speed early. I mean, he's quick, but I don't think, I mean, if he goes up and tries to keep up with Justify and he's on his game, I mean, that's just a suicide mission, in my opinion. I think he's better off just, just run his race. And, you know, I think if he does that, the worse he's going to be is second. And if Justify's a little bit off, if he's only, you know, 95% instead of 100, maybe he could gain some ground on him in the stretch and, and sneak up there. But, Otherwise, I think if you try to press them early, you're asking for trouble. Makes sense. Now, before we get to tenfold, let's try to sneak in a quick commercial break and then uh, finish up with the remaining three horses in the Preakness and uh, resume the conversation about sports wagering and the big news that occurred this week. So please stay with us. We will be right back in a few short moments. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Are you ready for the latest sports news, the culture around the game, and unique insight? Then you need to make Kareem and the Coach your destination each week. Host Kareem Rush played for the LA Lakers and has the inside track to personas in both professional and college sports. Co-host Eric Newman is a former basketball coach and now a producer and filmmaker. Together they cover sports and entertainment in a fast-paced hour every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. 
Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby on Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Talking Preakness here with Craig Milkowski from Timeform US. You got to have the data in order to play the races. You can't get any better information than from Timeform US. So for all you players out there, make sure you check them out and have a successful Preakness weekend. We left off with Craig going over the Derby, or excuse me, the Preakness field with Gino and I, and we are on the number six horse, Tenfold. What are your thoughts about Tenfold, Asmussen, and Santana? Pretty good combo, pretty good team. How about the horse? Uh, they are. If, if you guys don't mind, one quick note. You mentioned uh, Timeform US. I don't even know if I'm supposed to say this, but I will because I see them in my past performances. Uh, we did add race replays to our running lines today, so you can just click on any race line and get the replay. So that's I've been awesome. using that practically all morning just, just to play around with it. That's uh, awesome. That's it. You're good. Well, that's why I, I actually had tenfolds race open last time, which is which is what made me think of it. Um, Tenfold, he's actually a horse, uh, unfortunately, that I bet in the Arkansas Derby uh, based on his, he won his first two races for, like you said, uh, top trainer Steve Asmussen, uh, Santana, the rider, good at connections as you're going to find. Uh, if there's any horse that, that has some upside in here, it will be Tenfold. It's only his fourth career start. Uh, he kind of got thrown to the wolves in that Arkansas Derby, and he ran okay. He didn't run terrible. Uh, he got caught wide on the turn. It was a bit of a slow pace. So when everybody started to actually do some running on that second turn as the race picked up, he was wide. And that's one of the things I look at at ground losses, not just did you lose ground, but when did you lose ground. Uh, so I don't want to be wide on the, the uh, fast part of the race, which would have been the second turn in this case. So I do give him a bit of an excuse. Uh, he's definitely in that group that I would say that could run third or fourth and be in your uh, exotic bets, but he just hasn't shown enough to me to where I think he could challenge the top two. And what do you side point, on that, Gino? Yeah, I mean, I think of every horse in the race, the, Tenfold would probably be the only horse I would bet to win. Other than, okay. you know, because I, I think it's Justify, it's good magic, you can't play those horses. Um, if Tenfold is offering you double digits... I think that's probably fair value, as Craig said, because, you know, you go through the rest of this field, and whether or not they win, from a handicapping and a gambling standpoint, it's kind of easy to eliminate horses who you just don't think really have as big of an opportunity. And when you start eliminating, one of the only horses that really seems like they have enough upside to where if tenfold improves 
and Good Magic and Justify aren't quite 100%. I, I honestly think he's probably one of the only, maybe one or two horses that could really win this race. So, yeah, I think, I think he's, he's a horse who you're, a lot of the exotics will probably be built around because it, it'll probably be key to be trying to get him into the mix somewhere. And for me, it'll be kind of him and I can hopefully get Diamond King on the bottom of exotics. Maybe he can be around early and just kind of hang around for a slice. But as we move to Justify Craig, um, super impressive, obviously. He's done nothing wrong. Um, we can't really knock what we saw from him in the Derby. It was another year where the Derby favorite won pretty easily after sitting a, a pretty comfortable trip. And we know that he's done it on an off track a couple times. But as you mentioned, the, the issue that we have now is he came out of the race. Um, you and I are a couple of the social media misanthropes who might have thought we saw a, uh, a bruise somewhere on, uh, on uh, or we heard that there might have been a bruise on the heel somewhere of Justify. It happens. Little things like this happen in all of the races. But like anything, when you're in the Triple Crown, when you're in these big races, when you're wheeling back in two weeks for the first time ever, any kind of a small issue could become a big issue. Yeah, it could. I'm one, uh, to be honest, I'm one, if Bob Baffert puts a horse in the starting gate, I look at it as, who am I to question Bob Baffert? I mean, this horse is worth way too much. If, uh, you know, if he thought there was an issue that was going to affect the horse, I, I don't think the horse would be running personally. Um, you know, and he doesn't get the fever. He does, he, he's been there so many times with horses, winning the Derby, winning the Preakness, winning the Belmont. He's won the Triple Crown now. He, he just doesn't get the, the fever to push the horses in the classic races, as we've seen with the arrogates and the West Coasts of the year, the last few years, you know? Yeah, two horses didn't even make the Triple Crown series and both wound up winning the Eclipse Award. Uh, you know, for the three-year-old group. So, you know, the guy certainly knows what he's doing. Uh, and this is, you know, this horse has the potential. It's a term that gets thrown around a lot more than it used to, but, and I'm one that usually kind of poo-poo on it, but, you know, he could really be a super horse. I mean, he's run, uh, somebody at our company ran a, a query to see after four starts, which horse had the best average speed figure over all the years uh, since 2004, which is as far back as we have figures, and he was the best. Uh, you know, he came out, he ran a 129 break in his maiden, which is off the charts for us. I mean, had to go back and double and triple check to make sure before I put out a number like that for a maiden winner that I'm I'm really confident in it. And, I, you know, I was, and he's done nothing but back it up since. And, you know, it was a sloppy track at the Derby, but, you know, let's not forget the fractions he put up. We've been hearing... Uh, since since the Derby uh, point system, how we don't get those sprinters anymore and the fractions just aren't what they used to be. Well, I mean, this horse was right there on a 22 and a 45, and, and he went on to win the race easy. You know, if this is just a, a routine race on, on a Thursday afternoon where a horse set crazy fractions and hung on, you know, everybody would be talking about what a great race he ran. And I'm not saying people aren't doing that would justify but it's easy kind of just to take it for granted what he did because he's such a talented horse. But, um, you know, if you really put it in, in perspective, it, it was quite a performance. It's probably the best derby I've seen. He wow. hasn't really been tested, right? I mean, he, he, probably, he might have another gear to him that we haven't seen because the, the one conversation that I remember having with you was when we were talking about the Santa Anita Derby, and I was wondering – there wasn't look, didn't look like there was a lot of speed on paper that day, and I was wondering, how is this race going to unfold? And you were saying, you know, his speed figures 
are so off the charts, and he's not even asked for the lead. That's what's kind of scary about this course. He seems like he just kind of gets there on his own, and you wonder if he was kind of asked for some run or asked for some speed, or if he's you know really asked for some run again and somebody challenges him, is he going to be able to take it to another level? And he just might. You're right. This is a, this is a horse that we've... We saw do a lot quickly, so I think some of us as gamblers were poo-pooing the horse a little bit because as a short price, he might not be the best value. But there are some times where, as you mentioned, there's 15 or 20 races over the couple days on the undercard. You can get 5-1 to one in a maiden 25 race or in the Breeders' Cup. So it doesn't matter where you get your 5-1. to one. This might be a race where we're looking at going... I don't know how we can really get a lot of value here. This might be one of those where we sit on our hands and watch because I just, I'm with you and we, we have uh, Bravazo still left to talk about, but when we break this field down, you just can't see how if Justify runs his A game and if Good Magic runs his B game, even if everybody else in this field, besides maybe an improving tenfold, I, I just don't think they're good enough. Yeah, the, the horses, we've, we've all seen them before, uh, and there's just nothing that, that you will look at to think maybe, you know, I, I do, I like your tenfold, uh, as I guess we would call them a seahorse if you were going to play uh, horizontal wagers, I could definitely see throwing him in as, you know, a horse who maybe could jump up because he just hasn't run very much, uh, he hasn't been in these spots often, but the others, I mean, we've seen what they can do, we know what they are at this point. So it's kind of hard to, to envision any of them in the winner's circle barring just something totally unforeseen happening. I mean, and there's nothing wrong with passing a race. I mean, you know, no, that's something that I, when, you, when you work for TVG, that was probably something you guys want people to bet that, that, you know, was probably frowned upon. But just as a handicapper and a guy that bets horses, you know, there's some races that just don't look like good betting contests. And in my opinion, this is one of them. There, there's a very slim chance that I would make a serious bet on this. And I'll just be sitting there and watching and watching the clock and hoping Justify wins by 15. I mean, that would be great to see and draw some attention to our sport. And, you know, that's what I'll be rooting for most likely. And we'll have the, the horse, this horse is waiting that we've seen. And that's when we, for the three weeks, you know, you and Mike and I will all be building the cases for the horses who might be fresh now for the Hofbergs of the world. You know, the, 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 everyone starts coming out with the distance horses and the horses who can beat Justify. So, it, like always, I think it'll be great for the sport to have a buzz for the three weeks leading up. You get a little bit more national mainstream. Ver, perfect example, Craig, is I know you do a lot of these kind of interviews. I generally do a few of them every time, every, you know, big classic races. The amount of interviews I'd be asked to do if there's a triple crown on the line versus if it's just a regular Belmont with no triple crown on the line, probably 15 to 20 versus 2 to 3, you know, as far as who cares about the race. Yep, that's exactly right. Especially kind of with the Belmont, it seems like. Although it's gotten better lately with them boosting their card, but there was a time when if there was no triple crown on the line, I mean, the Belmont sometimes could look like a great three race. I don't think we'll have any threat of that happening. There's some, it's a deep crop, if you ask me. Uh, it just so happens that we got a really talented horse and Justify win the Derby, but some of those horses behind them are really good horses who, who got made to look average by Justify. But, I mean, Audible's a really good horse. Good Magic's a really good horse. Uh, I'd have to think about who else was in the field, but uh, just a really strong crop, in my opinion. We, we often hear how weak the crops are from year to year, and, 
you know, everybody, all us old timers want to look at them and kind of compare them to the old horses. But I think this is a good, really good, strong, deep crop of three-year-olds. So uh, if Justify were to win, I don't think it's any walkover uh, heading to the Belmont. couple of cool questions for you, Craig. Number one, in the Derby, my boy Jack got a lot of attention at the windows. It was 30 to one morning line, bet down to, I don't even know what he went off at, sub 10 to one. Is there a horse possibly like that in this field? Do you see any of these 31 to ones going off like a seven or eight to one or no chance in the world? Yeah. First off, that was probably the craziest thing I've ever seen. And uh, to be fair, he ran well. I mean, yeah, he ran fifth. I think it was uh, a decent fifth, but those odds, I think he wound, might've wound up six, seven, eight to one at most were just unbelievable. I have I didn't realize there were that many people named Jack out there. <laughs> you know that I still can't explain it. I have no idea how that horse took so much money. But you know that said, I, I just don't see it in this field. It's you know we only have forty percent of the horses in this one that we did in the Derby. Um, you know the the two just look like such standouts, uh, and the rest of them, I mean, they just all kind of look the same when you look at speed figures and you look at where they're coming from and accomplishments. Uh, the, the other six are just really so closely matched. Uh, I don't think we're going to have any, you know, 60 to one shots in here. I think we're going to have the top two. We'll probably have two to five or three to five. And then, uh, you know, maybe a two to one or five to two. And then everybody else probably going to be in the, the 15, 20, 30 to one range. I doubt we're going to have any, any, you know, any 50 to ones. And I doubt we're going to have any eight to ones. Which leads and to I my next question. Been- we had that's a, kind of been uh, a case, Mike. Before you get to your next one, I think that's been the case for the last few years. Now we generally don't see a lot of prices. Um, we saw cloud computing last year, but we just don't see the twenty, thirty to ones. The fields are are just smaller in the Preakness. We just don't get as many horses that come back. And I think Baffert's what five for five with his Derby winners. Um, I think previously, or he's one with every horse that he's won the Derby with. Yeah, I think it's four for four going for so. Yeah, yeah. Well, on that note. When I looked at some of the uh, previous preaknesses and looking for a way to possibly make any money, it's interesting because I, I'd kind of forgotten how heavily favored California Chrome was. So I think there was like a, a 10 to 1 underneath and then a 5 to 1 and a 10 to 1 or something like that. Didn't pay very well. Tries supers, obviously. American Pharaoh, though, it actually paid pretty decent. They had a 30 to 1 get, uh, get, get into second. I'm kind of thinking unless you have – a, a horse that you think could split good magic and justify, it's probably not going to pay for you very well. So you're going to have to maybe cold deck it. We had a uh, derby contest where we asked people to kind of cold deck the trifecta. If you were to try to cold deck it somehow, you know, a $10 trifecta, maybe with a one or two horses in the third spot, would it go justify good magic? And then who, Craig? Uh, I would probably go with tenfold, and, and the horse we haven't really talked much about yet, Bravazo. Those would probably be the two I would try to cold deck it with if if I had, and I would need good prices on both of those. I mean, I wouldn't do it if they're twelve to one. You know, if they get up twenty five, thirty to one, maybe I'd give it a shot. What would that even we pay? Do you t- think? You know, and I say that uh, thinking that that would mean that three or four other horses are more favored than those two. You know, if they're third and fourth choice, there's just no point. But maybe if they're seventh and eighth choice, then then maybe it's worth a play. What what kind of return would you be uh, hoping for, even if that did happen? Cool. You know, that's somewhere you'd, you'd almost have to check the exact pools. But 
Yeah. I couldn't see it paying more than. <laughs> I mean, it'd be a miracle if it paid twenty bucks for a dollar. I would guess, right? Yeah, this yeah. this kind of feels like the Bodie Meister. I'll have another year where we had those top two come back. We didn't really have a lot of the horses behind them. It was kind of a one-two. Um, I don't know if it's going to play that way as far as the pace, but just on paper, as far as a race where it looks like justify with the lead, top of the lane, good magic looming up. That's the race I picture in my head unfolding, and I just can't see. And I can't see any way that that doesn't happen where it's not, unless, again, if they're running their A races, we're, we're hoping and we're assuming they're running their A races and nothing bad is going to happen. They take to the track. But if they both show up, I just can't envision really uh, something else more, more than that where you have those top two. Because uh, it's just looking at this race up and down, as we said, you don't need to force it. You know, I think sometimes we, we want the. Um, the clout and we want the I picked the Derby winner, I picked the Preakness winner, I picked the Belmont winner, that's fine, but you don't need to bet on them if they're not for fair value or the price that you like, and I just, in this particular race, I don't I can't see a wager I would make that I would think was a, a, a good value wager. Sounds like no, it's a pass. I agree with you 100%. Like I always say, the money when you cash a bet it pays exactly the same whether it's a 5K claimer at Thistledown or whether it's the uh, Breeders' Cup uh, Classic. It just doesn't matter. A bet's a bet, and, you know, the money's the same. So, you know, that's the only real the only real bragging uh, point is cashing a ticket, if you ask me. Uh, I don't care, you know, if who you pick or whether you win or lose and what race it is. It's just a matter of did they cash the ticket in the end. Makes sense to me. Craig, we've got a couple of minutes before we go to break here. And uh, you'd mentioned that you'd maybe taken a, a peek at some of the six furlong sprint stakes races in the undercard. Is there uh, anything worth, you know, uh, r- taking down a note on here uh, from, from wh- whatever may have caught your eye? Uh, a couple of things caught my eye. The first one in the, uh, the Chickling stakes for three-year-olds. Uh, there's a heavy morning line favorite in Matoli, who's three to five on the morning line. Uh, he ran a huge speed figure, uh, 126 from me. Uh, last time at Oakland, I was actually there for that race. We always go, uh, my wife and I, to Arkansas for that, the uh, Festival of the South. And, uh, but I, I think he's one, if the weather uh, stays as predicted, by far the, the slowest race he's run. Uh, what came in the slop at Oakland when he was beaten uh, by a horse named Born in Nixa. Uh, he only got a 101 that day. Uh, so, you know, he may be worth taking a shot against if the track comes up sloppy as expected. And also, he's a horse that uh, we color code things in time form U.S. And if, if the pace is slow for the final time, we give him blue. And when you look at Matoli's uh, past performances, just every race is in blue. I mean, it's just there's blue everywhere. So he's kind of had things his own way. Uh, he's a super talented horse, but there's some really quality speed in here. And slop may not be his best surface. So I could be looking to take a shot against him for sure. Well, if we, if we uh, continue this conversation after the break, would you be able to stick around for a couple moments, Craig? Yeah, I'm fine. I, I have you as long as you guys want me. Outstanding. Awesome. What, we'd like to get your take on the sports wagering news from this week and, and get your thoughts on that. So everybody hang on. We'll be back to conclude this conversation in a few short minutes. Stay with us. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fan's perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. Thunder chickens beware, we're coming for ya. This week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav, it's all about the Spring Gobbler Smackdown and our panel of pros are out for beards. Joining us is David Blanton of Bill Jordan's Realtree Outdoors and Monster Bucks, outdoor writer M.D. Johnson, and Pete Muller from the National Wild Turkey Federation. It's presented by Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel, World Fishing Network, and My Outdoor TV. Friday afternoons at 1 Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get ready for the Get Down with Hurley Brown. Want to get inside of the minds of the players and coaches? We'll talk everything sports, but with a focus on the NFL, NBA, and college football. We'll review and preview the week's big games. We'll talk about the draft choices and free agents and go inside the teams for news, recruiting, and what's next from the colleges to the pro teams. It's the Get Down with Hurley Brown, Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific, on Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or send an email to Mike at the MikeAbadirShow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back, everyone, to the Preakness Show. We are talking about this Saturday's middle jewel of the Triple Crown with Craig Milkowski, Time Form US. And we promised that we would cover every single horse. And we got sidetracked with some conversation about how to play this thing and whether it's a pass or not. But there's one more that we want to cover, which is the number eight horse, Bravazo. What are your thoughts, Craig, about Bravazo, the second of uh, Lucas's entries? Yeah, we can't leave out the coach's horse. Uh, Bravazo, I yeah. think, sees one of the interesting ones I mentioned. If I was going to play tries, uh, he might be one I'd consider. Uh, what I, I did, the reason I kind of liked him is he, I think they got fooled a little bit. They won the Risen Star. He was right up on the lead. But that was a day where the pace was slow, and I think he was almost there by default. Uh, when he came back in the Louisiana Derby, the pace was a lot ho- uh, hotter, and he got caught wide pressing that fast pace and then just dropped out of it completely. Uh, he was 5-2. to two. I don't remember if he was a favorite or not. I, think he, I don't think he was. But um, point being, he came back in the Kentucky Derby, and he kind of reverted back to his off-the-pace running style. And, you know, he was six, beat Nate Lentz. Uh, he had, did have some trouble in the race. So that, that's the main reason I would consider him, is I think he is going to come from off the pace. I think those uh, tactics of getting him up to the front are over. And I think that could serve him well in a race like this, where I think anybody who's close to Justify Early is probably in big trouble. I don't think one of them will be Bravazo, so he should be picking off some horses late for sure. Then this is what I think I'm going to do, guys, all right? 
I am going to listen to both you and Gino, and I'm going to do a $2 play. Well, it's going to cost me $2. I'm going to do a $1 Superfecta, 7 with 5 with 4, 8 with 4, 8, which is Justify over Good Magic. And then I'm going to use Gino's Diamond King because he's been talking about Diamond King for a while now. And Bravazo, it's going to cost me 2 bucks, and I may hit the repeat button a couple of times, hoping maybe to get... Fifty to seventy-five bucks. I don't know if that's wishful thinking or not. And, but that, like that's you the said, way you Craig, I think it's the race, though, Mike. Like that's the I'm right sorry? way to approach the race. Yeah. If you're going to bet it, you know, because you 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 you're smashing it the right way, or it's that way, or you're going completely against Justify. You know, this isn't a race where you're boxing a four-horse tri box with the two favorites in it. It just doesn't make sense. You know, that that's the approach. It's either I'm chucking Justify and I'm going to key in on Good Magic or key in on other horses you like, or it's the way that you do it. You're just going to go. Let's, let's just cold deck it, boom, boom, and hope we can get one, maybe the, the sixth choice in the third spot instead of the third choice, you know, something like that. Yeah, I'm sure you guys both saw it. I think, Craig, uh, you had maybe uh, given it a like and maybe Gino as well. One of the listeners, uh, I think his name is Michael Arndt, he said that he was going to chuck out Justify entirely and try to build a ticket like that. I think where Craig replied and said, you're going to, you know, have a handsome return if you do that. I think maybe, I don't know, are, are there going to be 10 cent supers, guys? Just got to have a plan. I don't think I got to look. I don't think so. I, I don't. I, I, I don't. Think Pimlico does actually, but unless okay, they change I'm not positive. Yeah, yes, I'm, it might not be the worst thing in the world then to maybe box four horses for two forty or, or maybe even five for twelve bucks as a saver play and uh, see what you could get back. But most likely, it would. I don't really see unless something bad happens, which uh, I pray it does not. I don't see Justify not being in the Super at all or in the Tri at all. In fact, I don't see him being anywhere but in the winner's circle after the race. Yeah, if you're betting against Justify, your betting is not healthy, if you ask me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah you're right. That, that's just not a game I want to play with a guy like Bob Baffert. So, you know, I'm like you guys. I say that's probably not the best, best betting race. But, I mean, it is the Preakness. I'm sure I'll have some kind of action bet. Like Mike mentioned, and it'll be exactly what you say, where you try to cold deck something, you know, uh, very few combinations in a super try. And if you win, you at least get rewarded. And if not, you only wasted a couple bucks, you know. Yeah, hopefully there's some maybe uh, price plays in, in, in some of the races prior to the Preakness where maybe you could play a pick four, pick five, maybe single, maybe go too deep in that final race and uh, hope that you can you know, maybe turn a, a $24 play into a couple hundred bucks or something like that. But yeah, I, I think uh, we're, we're all better off saving our money for what is always a fantastic Belmont Day card in its entirety. It's almost like a mid-year Breeders' Cup. So that's one of my favorite cards of the year. Let's and hey, you know, like, like Craig said, every, like, every race, it's all the same. And, that, and that's what's kind of going to be fun about our, our next topic that we're going to transition into is that you don't need to feel so many opportunities to make wagers, to find what you think is value, to find what feels like value to you. And Craig, now we're going to have as sports fans, even more opportunities to legally wager on events and games because the Supreme court ruling just passed recently. Now it's going to be on a state by state um, circumstance basis, but Monmouth Park in a couple of weeks is going to open up and they are going to have sports wagering along with the, the horse racing action. This is a, a, a huge deal for you know, sports in general, but this is, um, this is going to be really interesting, Craig, in the next you know, 10 to 15 years to see what kind of 
impact this has on the horse racing industry. Yeah, it is, and I'll be honest with you, I just don't know what to expect at this point. Uh, I'm hoping for the best, obviously. I mean, I don't want horse racing to be hurt. Uh, I wish I could say I'm optimistic that's going to happen. I think it's going to definitely take some change from the people in charge of horse racing because sports betting is no doubt going to be a, a big competitor for uh, horse racing. I think it's it's definitely going to take some, some gambling dollars away from horse racing. I mean, it's clearly a, a better priced uh, bet as it is currently. And eventually, I think horse racing is going to be forced to compete with that. Uh, I don't think sports gambling uh, is going to make the same mistake that casinos did and subsidize, subsidize horse racing anymore. Uh, so we'll see. Like I said, I'm keeping my fingers crossed that maybe there'll be some crossover and in some way it's going to help horse racing. Uh, and more importantly, uh, I'm optimistic that eventually it's almost going to have to help gamblers because on some level, I think uh, the horse racing is just going to have to compete with the uh, the juice uh, of sports betting or, or they're not going to be around. Yeah, Gino and I kind of have uh, polar opposite takes on it. Uh, mine is is a, a, of great optimism. Uh, Gino, I'll let him kind of give his take on it. But I think this is going to turn you know, prove Craig to be hits the middle of us, right? It feels like Craig is like yeah, the Craig is kind of, of in the middle of us because I, I'm actually I'm actually going to take a, a very very strong stance, Craig, or a declaration, and say when we look back, this is going to prove to be the absolute best thing ever. For horse racing. When I say that, I mean the best thing that could happen to racing at this current time. And and Gino's is, is taking a, a very uh, polar opposite viewpoint of that. I guess where I'm coming from, Craig, is the following. Number one, they have an opportunity to monopolize the, uh, I guess, you know, the outlets for where you're going to place your wagers, right? So, you know, right. let's just use Monmouth Park as an example. So now you're bringing people to your forum. You know, if you don't seize that opportunity, then, I mean, there's got to be some bright minds out there who could capitalize on that. You're bringing them to your home turf, to where your product is delivered live on a weekend basis at Monmouth and three or four days a week at some other tracks, maybe even five days at some other tracks. That's the first thing. The second thing is I would hope that the money they make from that is funneled back into racing somehow, some way, whether it's direct or indirect. You know, direct would be more on the purse money and things of that nature. Hopefully improve the quality of the racing at that track. Hopefully use that as an opportunity to lower takeout, things of that nature. Uh, indirectly, perhaps if I know that I can anticipate getting a piece of 30 to 50 million wagered at my facility, uh, then maybe I'll take a chance and remodel, renovate, uh, you know, my sports bar and some of the areas where when people come in, they want to stay and watch those games and while they're watching those games, perhaps wager on the racing, perhaps use that as an opportunity during commercials or before the game or after the game to be able to make some wagers. I could go on and on and on, but Gino, why don't you share kind of your, your take on it? Yeah. Cause I, I hope, and I understand where you're coming from. And the real key is, it's got to be the first six months to a year because if horse racing doesn't do it immediately, the, the advantage that racing has right now is that TVG, Express Bet, Twin Spires, they all have their accounts open for sports bet, for 
gamblers. They, they have all the information for the people who are making wagers. What I'm a little worried about is like DraftKings and those websites, man, are they not perfectly set right now on a list of how many players that they have that like to gamble? And then what, what would happen if a, a site like DraftKings is able to um, kind of orchestrate what we were talking about the other day, Mike, head-to-head wagering? So where it's almost feeling like it's a paramutual wager where you're, you're making a wager one-on-one with another person who has that account, almost exchange wagering, or maybe you're doing something like Mike picks five games that that he bets the lines on, I pick my five games, and whoever, you know, we're against each other, head-to-head, things like that. There's going to be all sorts of just different things happening. I worry that horse racing doesn't really have the foresight because I haven't seen enough things in the last 10 years that makes me optimistic, kind of to piggyback on Craig's point. I think you, Mike, are completely right. They have an advantage right now. They have a little bit of a window, maybe six months to a year, before all these places are going to be able to open up, maybe OTBs or maybe before it becomes online wagering where everybody could just have your, your account and sit from home. So right now when people are forced to go to certain places to make the wager, this is when horse racing, I mean, if it was me, I would have, I think I told you this too, when they announced the sports betting legal the other day, I would have come out if I was someone involved in horse racing right then and said, boom, we need to take. The, uh, we need to steal the, the limelight right now. Horse racing, 10% takeout for everything, everyone, boom. You got to make a statement. You got to do something that's going to get some buzz because what worries me, Craig, is if you and I go to the track and we have the opportunity to bet on sports, and let's say right now you and I both go to the track with 100 bucks that we were planning on playing for the whole day, and now you and I, even if we just go bet 20 bucks on a game, is that 20 bucks? that we didn't bet in the racing ever going to get back? Are there going to be enough novice people that right now have the opportunity to bet racing and don't just because they can bet sports? Is that going to make them bet racing too? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. And like I said, that's my biggest uh, concern is that that racing has to compete with sports. Uh, And we've already seen that they weren't interested in doing that with casinos. Every single dollar that was made and, funnel back to horse racing seemed to go to purses and we were promised bigger fields more competitive racing and we've actually gotten just the opposite so i just i hope horse racing's learned from the mistakes they've made in the past you can't do the same thing and just try to to throw money at the horsemen because all they do is run less and less and they um you know don't race as often um it, all the money seems to go to a very select group of, of owners and trainers. Uh, it's not being spread out very well. Uh, so I, I really think if you want to get handled, you can't just throw money at purses. you got to make it a better gambling game. And the way you do that is you cut the price, and, and you got to find a way to get us bigger fields. And we've already found that just throwing money at purses doesn't do it. We've seen that every at every single track it's been tried for the most part. It may work short term. I remember Monmouth had a meet where they just threw tons of money and they had good fields, but it didn't last. There's just not enough horses out there. So uh, I am optimistic, and Mike said that we have a great game. Uh, it's a skill game. Um, you know, if people see it and they don't know about it, and, and let's be honest, if you go to a sports book and you bet a, bet a game, your money's tied up for two, hours. three hours sometimes. 
So, you know, racing does have a speed issue, which, you know, I can't really compete with the casino on that, but a lot of racing people aren't interested in casino games. I definitely think we can get some crossover with sports. I mean, we're both, uh, I forget the word we were called on Twitter, uh, but, you know, we talk about sports as much as we have misanthropes, that's it. We, we talk about sports as much as we talk about horse racing half the time. Uh, there's yeah. definitely a big crossover market. You don't see people talking about blackjack and about slot machines or, or roulette, but they do talk about No, that's, about a, that's a great point. Yeah. And you made you know, that point to me also, gotta, Mike. Yeah. We got about 30 seconds to close here, and I, I just wanted to quickly say, hopefully Exchange Wagering comes through because I think that will be big. I think that will be a, a way to compete a little bit. And hey, when you're down 300, three, 400 bucks with sports wagering, perhaps you look and say, you know what? The only way that I can make a comeback is by playing a Superfecta or a pick five. It's cost me only 12 bucks, 24 bucks and, and be able to make a comeback. Maybe that's how we could lure people into racing that, uh, that, are, that are sports bettors in general. I wish we could talk about this a little bit more, but we got to wrap this up. Thank you so much, Craig, for joining us. We uh, definitely appreciate your insights every single time when you're on with Gino and I. Everyone have a great sports weekend. Make some money in the Preakness if you know how. And we will talk to you same time, same place next week. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a great week.